Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and open them however you get your Bible, whether that's uh, electronic form or book form. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seat back in front of you. Please feel free to grab that and open that. And uh, we invite you to turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, and we're going to begin at verse 23. Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of Your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against His Anointed One. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. Well, we're going to move and, and do a little bit of a pivot in our series. We're still talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're still talking about Pentecost and what that means. And, and what we are going to do, though, is understand what the Holy Spirit does in and through us during prayer. And each one of these next three weeks that we're together, I want to make sure that you take home something that will help you in your prayer life, something simple, something that you can do in a few minutes when you wake up or before you go to bed or somewhere during your day. I want to give you some active things that will begin to help you in your prayer life and begin to align your heart with what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Does that sound okay? Are you... You okay with doing something like that? So I want to encourage you this week, we're looking at the Holy Spirit and prayer. As you heard read, there was, a, there was a prayer that was prayed and the Holy Spirit did some amazing things. Next week, we'll look at prayer and what the Holy Spirit does through prayer to help us in evangelism. And then in our final week, we'll be looking at prayer and what the Holy Spirit does in helping us to empty ourselves before God. And so I want to encourage you to be here all the next three weeks. It's going, no matter what the weather's like outside, we're going to have some good things going on here. And I want to invite you to be a part of it. And I, and teenagers, students, graduates, I want you to know that I have been praying specifically for you. And just this morning at 8.30, while we were meeting here for prayer, I walked around and knew where you sat most of the time, and I called your name before God. Because I want you to understand the importance of prayer and building that habit into your life, even now as a student, 
as a young student, as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, and even as an elementary student. So don't think this isn't for me. I want to give these things simply to you. They will help us as adults. But I I believe in our students, young and old, that God longs to call them to pray. So let's, let's jump in. Let's look at the historical context of this prayer. We'll go through this really briefly. But I want you to know that we jump into the middle of the story. Something has happened after Pentecost. There was this great outpouring. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And, and many came to follow Jesus. And then one day, if you were to jump back one chapter in chapter 3, Peter and John were on their way up to the temple. And there was a man who was begging. And they was asking for alms. He had been crippled from, from birth and, and he had he had sat there every day. There wasn't, uh, there wasn't social security. There wasn't a safety net for them. So what you would have to do if you couldn't earn a living was sit by a gate and live on the help of others. Just simply saying, uh, alms or give me something. And we find that Peter and John walk up to him. And they say very dramatically, it's a very uh, great passage. He, it says, look me in the eye. And the, and the man looks him in the eye. And he says, gold and silver I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise and walk. Amazingly, he gets up. And he walks. And as it might happen, if it happened here today, it created quite a stir. And it gave Peter an opportunity to preach. And he preached boldly. It's a great sermon. You ought to read it. It's in chapter 3 when you go home later today. Read that sermon. He just takes them through exactly what had happened and how they had participated in the death of Jesus and and how they could repent. Remember that? And turn and follow this Jesus. That their sins could be wiped out. It's a great, great sermon. You should check it out. And many, of course, come to believe in Jesus. But then it creates a problem for this little new early church. The religious leaders, some of the same religious leaders that participated in crucifying Jesus, now set their sights on Peter and John. And they're brought and they're arrested and they're brought in and they're they're put on trial. And the Bible tells us that Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaimed boldly. This wasn't just people who were inquisitive about what happened when someone was healed. These were the same people that killed Jesus. And now they've got their sights set on Peter and John. I think I might be quaking in my boots a little bit as well. But again, we see that Holy Spirit who empowers to be able to share, move in to Peter. And He proclaims boldly, without fear. And because of the crowds, we find that the religious leaders, even though they don't like it, they can't deny that the man who was crippled for all his life was now healed. It's something about religious leaders. I I love this about uh, this quote I read this week. It says, if your religion requires you to choose between loving your neighbor or it, it is not the way Jesus taught us. I want you to know that. Is that okay to say? It's true. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and what? Your neighbor as yourself. It's almost as if He's saying, you, in some ways, by loving your neighbor, you are loving God. And by loving God, you should be called to love your neighbor. 
That is the way of Jesus. So Peter and John are released and they return to the believers and that's where we jump in in our part of the story. And as they return, they meet together and they declare all that was said, all that happened, and then what? They celebrate by praying. Now, I don't know about you, but as I was reading that, I thought, this is interesting. They celebrate by praying. Because if you're like me, I think I grew up in the church, most of the time, prayer didn't feel like celebration, did it? It felt more like, bow your heads and close your eyes and be very, very still and quiet. And it kind of takes on a, a bit of a somber tone sometimes, doesn't it? Like, oh God, we do humbly beseech Thee. We, we, we move down into ourselves, right? And, we, and we're really quiet and stuff. But for them, prayer was celebration. God had done an incredible thing. And instead of just cheering and shouting and doing that, they turned to prayer. prayer. Did you know? Did you know that prayer can be a celebration too? It's not just the somber, kneeling, quiet, oh God and flowery language and all those things. When it's times of joy, when God has done something amazing in your life, it is appropriate to celebrate through prayer. You don't have to bow your head and close your eyes and sit down and be quiet. You can move around and say, Oh God, thank you for what you have done. You can celebrate with prayer. And it is appropriate. And we see that this happens. So I want us to look at their prayer just briefly. You can see it there. It's, it's from verse 24 all the way down uh, to verse 30. So it's just a few short verses. It's seven verses long. But as I was looking at it and breaking it down, I saw that five of those verses are filled with praise before we get to the two verses that are the believers asking God to do something for them. I found that very interesting, that there's quite a few verses that are about praise and worship of God, and then, after that, we get to them asking something of God. Now, that leads me to say, if I were to title this sermon, I would want to entitle this sermon, Act Before Ask. Act before ask. And you can see that there are, there are little periods in, after each letter of ACT. That means it is, anybody in grammar? Acronym. That's right. It means that every letter, A-C-T, it's going to stand for something. And we're going to go through this. Uh, this is where you're going to want to start taking notes and writing some things down. This is going to be your little help for the week for, the, for prayer. And so I want to, I want you to grab paper or write on your neighbor's arm, whatever you need to do to remember this, um, take out something and begin to write this down. This is a way to help us with prayer. It's called the Acts method of prayer. There is one more letter in it, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Now, I want before we jump into everything, I want you to know that this is not a formula to get what we want. Okay? Can I just say that right off the bat? But what it is, is a method to allow the Holy Spirit to assist us in prayer. It is not about getting God to do what we want, but it is a way to align our desires with God's desires as we pray. 
Okay? And this can be very helpful. This was taught to me a long time ago by my mom. I don't think she came up with it uh, exactly, but uh, it has been helpful. How many of you have been in a class where my mom has taught the Acts method of prayer? A few of you? Okay, good. Good. So this won't be anything new to you, but we're going to try this together as a church over the next week. So let's jump in. A, the first letter, stands for adoration. Now, adoration, uh, those of you who are young, uh, is just a fancy word for praise, okay? Um, we're trying to make this all fit, and so they went back in their uh, thesaurus, I guess, and found out a way to make A stand for worship, alright? And so, adoration is a fancy word for praise, and if you want to know more about adoration, what it is, is that it's a focus on God's character, and God's attributes, okay? It's a little bit different than thanksgiving. It is, it is praise about who God is. Now you might say, well, it's kind of hard for us because we tend to like to thank somebody for what they have done. But you have to really begin to know someone to give them praise. Like, to be able to talk about their attributes. You are so kind. I mean, even thinking about maybe your spouse or your, your kid, you're kind, you're creative, you're loving. Those are things that once you get to know someone, you can begin to give those. And so we begin to think about God and who God is and, and what are some of the attributes of God. And we begin to declare those in our prayer. We see that they start with Sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. This is a part of their adoration that they're looking at God and they they list off a couple of characteristics or attributes of God. They talk about God being sovereign, that He is above all things and all things are under His gaze and in His kingdom and that He is Creator. Now, I want us to take just a second and let's uh, do just briefly... um, any, I want to I hear some other. What else are characters or attributes of God? And I want to see uh, what you would say. What would you say in your prayer? Go ahead. Uh, we've listed off sovereign and creator. Someone else. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Say that again. Mighty. Wonderful. Another one. Over on this section. Gracious. Yes. Faithful. Merciful, awesome. Redeemer, wonderful. Love in all ways. Is that, is that what you said? Great, Fred. Merciful, awesome. Yes. So you see what... Now this is just something you can just kind of think of those things and, and begin to incorporate. And this is where prayer begins. It's not just dear God. That's how a letter begins. A prayer begins with, Sovereign Lord, You are merciful. You are loving. You are awesome. You are a Redeemer. You set people free. You are love in all ways. Do you see how this begins to feel more like celebration instead of just somber? (laughs) Don't get me wrong. There are times to be somber before God. But we start with praise, with adoration. And we begin. All right, let's move on along. The C stands for confession. Now, we need to unpack confession just a little bit because oftentimes we just think of confession as confessing sin. 
And there is a place in this prayer to confess sin. Those places where you look at who Jesus is, and you look at yourself and you say, I fall way short of that. You talk about what those things are and where those places are that you fall short a little bit. And you ask Him for forgiveness. Maybe there's something you've done. Maybe there's a word you've spoken. Maybe there's something... You confess that. You don't want anything to be between you and God. And you just confess that. But there's also another part of confession. You see, the Greek word for confession is the word homologeo. Everybody say homologeo with me. Ready? One, two, three. I'm only going to make you do it once. Ha! See? Tricked you. Uh, homologeo. It simply means, homo, the word means the same, and logeo means to say. So literally, confession means to say the same. Now, you can do that about your sin. I am saying the same. I acknowledge that I struggle with that sin. I gave in to that sin. I said that thing. I did that thing. And I'm saying the same in front of God and asking for forgiveness. That is a part of confession. But it opens up new possibilities. Because it could be that, yes, it could be about sin, but it can include normal, everyday human struggles that aren't about sin But it's about need. We kind of see this when we get to what they asked for. uh, When they asked, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness in verse 29. It's like they knew they weren't naturally bold speakers and they knew they needed help if they were to go proclaim the word of God with boldness. So you can... Yes, confess your sin. Say the same. You can also say the same and confess the places where you have need. And that may not have anything to do with purity or forgiveness. It may just be, I need something for this part of the journey. And you can confess that. You can confess, I'm weak. You can confess, I don't speak boldly. You can confess, I'm afraid to to proclaim or to share or invite someone with me to church. You can do that. That's a part of prayer. So I won't ask for uh, questions from the audience on this one, but just think about what do you need help with? You can pray that as a part of the confession. So we have adoration. We have confession. Let's move on to T, and that's thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving and adoration, as I've already said, kind of get mixed up together. Thanksgiving, though, is different from adoration. And I want you to know why. Adoration or praise is about who God is. Thanksgiving is about what God has done. Okay, One is about who they are. The other is about what they have done. And so, there's a big difference between telling your wife or your son, you are so creative, and saying... Thank you for that creative meal that you made that was so delicious, right? That's different. The one is just praising creativity and who they are, and the other is about how they use that creativity to do something that you're thankful for. It's, it's after the fact. And so, uh, I want us to take just a minute. Now, this can get a little, a little, um, long sometimes, and I don't want that because we have ten minutes and we're going to take communion. So, no explaining, no long story of how this happens, but I just wonder if there's anyone with one word or one sentence wants to say something that they're thankful for that God has done for them.
Go ahead. Sit. Protection. Yes. Car accident this week. That's right. Employment. Yes. God gave you a job. Yes. Rita. Freedom. Yes. That God sets us free. I'm thankful for the freedom that I live in. Yes. And is there another one? Family. Yes. God has blessed me with family, with kids. Yes. With life. That's right. Especially when you have a 10 centimeter clot that somehow they find and get out of you before you die. I would be thankful for that too. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? One more. Let's have one more. Saving your soul and freedom. And freedom of your soul. That's right. That's right. Wonderful. Wonderful. These are things. So we talk about praising God. Then we confess what we need or our sin. And then we move on into these. Just thanking God for what He has done. For saving my life. Literally. For protection. For family. For freedom. For all of those things. We can begin to move in this this way. And then last, we finally move to the fancy word for asking, which is the word supplication. And that makes up the book of Acts, right? Acts method of prayer. Supplication is a fancy way of saying, I'm asking for something. I'm making a supplication, which is an ask. So why then did I entitle the sermon, Act, before asking, before we get to the end? Why is it set up this way? And I, I believe, honestly, that the reason why it needs to be set up this way is that adoration or giving praise, confessing our needs or confessing our sin, and giving thanks to God give our asking direction, purpose, and focus. I have learned, as I have practiced this over and over again, whenever I return to this as my help for the week in praying, I have found that when I spend time praising God, confessing to God, and thanking God, that the supplication, the asking, somehow subtly shifts. And I find myself asking for things that I didn't start off my prayer thinking I would be asking for. There's something in the way the Holy Spirit uses this. To help us. I think Carol Bonomo has a great story of why this is the case and, and why it, it should be this way. She uh, lived down the street from a monastery and so she decided she was just interested in the life and she began to go up there and they were having a prayer retreat over the weekend. And the person who was leading that retreat, I think that she said his name was Father Stanislaus. What a name. Um, brought them in and it was time for prayer and he talked with them about their prayer life. And over a series of steps, I think he got them to where most of us would, would agree with, that a lot of our prayer is starts with asking. And is predominantly about asking. Now, it's maybe some good things that we're asking God to do, but it's really all about asking. And she writes that after getting them to acknowledge that, yes, most of my prayer is asking God to do something for me, He says to them, get out of the petition or asking business. Petition puts your back to God, facing yourself and your needs. Very limiting. You are saying that you see all and know what to ask for, that God needs your help to understand what to do. Then he turns it and says, praise though. Praise faces God with our backs to ourselves and allows God to show us what is needed. That's good word, right? I don't care if his name is a weird Father Stanislaus. That is good news. 
And that, I believe, is why we are called to start with adoration, confession, thanksgiving before we move to asking. So this week, I want to ask you, will you act before you ask? Will you just take this simple method of prayer and try it? Will you look this week for one week? Just try. When you get up in the morning, just go through. Ask. It doesn't have to be a long list. Just do a couple from each. I mean, we could just start. God, thank you. You're sovereign and creator. And I confess that I'm, I often don't use the creativity you've given me. And, and I am not sovereign. And, and that means I'm going to need some direction and guidance today. And so I thank you that I'm waking up this morning, that I'm breathing in and out. I thank you for the life that Jesus has given to me, that he, that he saved me. And I want to ask you and then let your, your supplication, your ask come. You could do that in about two minutes and say amen and go on your day. And if the Holy Spirit leads you, maybe you do it again at lunch. Maybe you do it again before you go to bed. See how this can help you. It might just be that the Holy Spirit will use this to shake up your life like it did for those who were gathered and celebrating through prayer. When they say in verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they did speak the Word of God boldly. You see, the Holy Spirit answered their prayer. Will you allow the Holy Spirit to use this simple tool for you this week? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you. You are sovereign. You are good. You are holy. You are set apart and different. And you love us. And you care for us. And you help us. And we confess that we are in need of help. That we are in need of mercy and grace and love. So help us today. We thank You for the many blessings You have given us. We thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. We thank You for the Holy Spirit that assists us, comforts us, encourages us. And we ask that You would bless us during this time. We pray that these elements of bread and cup would somehow bring the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to us. That we would remember that we receive His broken body and His shed blood as a gift signifying and showing and giving to us the love of the Father through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with communion today. In just a second, if you are new with us, you've never taken communion with us, that's okay. We believe that as long as you are hungry for the Jesus we have talked about, you are welcome to receive bread and cup. Let's hold it together and receive as a family together today. And so in just a moment, we will do that. But on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. 
And later on, he took uh, wine. We have just good old-fashioned Welch's grape juice here. And he said, this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. Receive this as a gift. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this gift. May we receive it with gratitude. For it was given with great sacrifice. And may your Holy Spirit use it to empower us all this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come and receive the grace of our Lord Jesus. May you begin to enter into the life of prayer. And may you experience through something simple like the Acts method of prayer. May you sense the Holy Spirit sharpening what you ask for. Leading you and guiding you. Empowering you and teaching you how to pray. And out of prayer, may you worship. May you confess. May you give thanks. And yes, may you ask. I pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. God bless you as you go.